pray with me. Heavenly Father, pray that we would know you as greater than all. Pray that we would know that you have done great things. I pray that our people, uh, the people of Bellwether Church, would see those great things. A great thing such as uh, just a beautiful day. Uh, having lunch with uh, our children, our families, uh, our church family. A commitment of uh, a family to go on mission to Africa. A commitment of a church to be on mission in a city. Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're just going to read one verse, although there are going to be a couple other verses I'll highlight and some that will be on the screen, but uh, really it's just about one verse today. If you don't have a Bible, there's some up on the table. You are welcome to to have them uh, and take them home or keep them in your car. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the verse is... um, Verses verse 10. Um, before I read that verse, though, uh, let me give you a little bit of background. Over the last month, we have been doing a series called, um, and it's really one of the biggest questions that I get or have gotten in ministry. It's what happens when I die? What happens when you die? And, you know, generally you can say, well, you go, go to heaven or, or go somewhere else or, or go to hell or or some people believe, you know, the purgatory, or, you know, there's this mystery, what happens when we die. And so we're trying to get, in a couple weeks, what the Bible says, uh, literally, about that question. Now, as I've been going through this over the last couple weeks, sometimes people will give me other questions. And uh, usually I've said them in sermons, not like in the series, but other questions. And I actually really want to address those. As in like, you know, so if you have a question that you think I don't address, tell me or email me, and I won't, you know, say your name or anything, but I will answer it from the pulpit. And so like three questions I got this week. One was, um, well, what happens about, uh, you know, if, if we're married, will we be married in heaven? If we're, if we're married and then we, we know Christ, uh, will we be like husband and wife in heaven? In a word, uh, no. Uh, some of y'all, that may make you sad. Uh, some of y'all may, y'all may be like, praise Jesus. You know, y'all may be like, altar call time and get on your knees. I don't know. I, I hope not. I'm gl- if so, I'm glad you're here. We'll work on that. But Matthew 21.30, don't take my word for it. Take Jesus' word. Matthew 21.30, 
uh, he says, There will not be marriage in heaven like husband and wife, for you will be like angels in heaven. Now, I believe the joy, hopefully, that we can experience in marriage is just a tiny portion of the joy that we'll experience in heaven. So, I mean, we can't comprehend, we can't fathom what heaven will be like, but there's not like marriage that we have on earth. Another question is, well, what this whole deal about rewards? Because there's a, there's a question of, well, when we get to heaven, is like, you know, Billy Graham going to get more than, like, me? Well, yeah, he will. But, or you, you know what I'm saying? What, what is this? I mean, who, who gets the bigger mansion? Um, yes, the Bible is very clear that there are rewards. We're actually going to talk about that today, so I'll, I'll wait to get into that. And then another thing we're getting to today is some people who know their scripture, they talk about, like, in Isaiah or Jeremiah or specifically Hebrews ten seventeen. You can write that down, look it up. But God says, I will remember your sins no more. Okay? As in, like, you know, when you're forgiven, I, I, won't, I won't keep those in my mind. I'll, I'll forget them. I won't remember them. But then, what we're talking about today is something different, something that can be a, well, I say a very harsh word, but we can't gloss over it and we can't deny it. The word is judgment. Judgment. I don't like to hear that. Try preaching on it. Pray for me today. Um, judgment. But yet there are scripture passages where God says, I will not remember your sins. And I will... You know, they're gone. It's, it's done with. So we're going to get into that, but uh, the judgment verse, the big verse is what we're looking at today, is 2 Corinthians 5.10. And I'm going to read that. It says, For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Okay, so, so pretty clear, this verse. Stand before a judgment seat of Christ and receive recompense. Now, before I get into the verse, I wanted to do two things, okay? Because I think this idea about judgment, it's very easy for us to land on one of two poles, you know, like North Pole, South Pole. One of two positions that are really the extreme ends. And most people I know, honestly, they're either on one or the other of these. The first one is they really believe there's no judgment. I mean, they, even if they know the Bible, they don't really like have a, a worldview or a theology of judgment. See, it's very easy, especially in the world we live in, the culture we live in, you know, you can take terms like, uh, like grace, which is, is wonderful. We're going to look at that, saved by grace. Or uh, peace, or, or joy, or equality, and it's kind of like what we want to believe. And we just, we just kind of wrap our minds around those words. And we literally just create our own theology. That's not what the Bible says. And look, we're all about grace. We're going to see another verse on that. And we're all about joy. And we're all about peace. And all men are and women are created equal. Um, but we get this, this, this thought process or this worldview. And I see it all the time. Like, there's really no judgment. We really don't have to answer for anything. We, we really don't stand before God. It's grace, it's peace, it's joy, it's, it's all good. I was, I was, I, I didn't know if I was going to tell this. I'm going to tell it. I was at an event this week, I won't say where, and I was with a guy who spoke, who's a Christian, but there were folks 
uh, around him afterwards, and I was one of them. And he said, and this is what a lot of people believe, and, and look, man, it's, it's good news. It's all good news. We, it's grace, all of that. But this guy said, you know, man, I mean, if, if people would just get it, this is the speaker. He, this wasn't in his speech, but afterwards. And he said, if people just get it, Christians just get it. You know, Jesus never judged anybody. Uh, Jesus never even talked about hell. He just loved people to him. And I was sitting there, and yes, Jesus was all about love. But I was like, man. And this guy, like, he talked about his Sunday school class. I mean, this is a church-going dude. And I was like, dude, do you know your scripture? Obviously, you don't. And even more worrisome was like the five or six, you know, around him, just kind of like nodding their head, yep, 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 yep. Just got a lot. It is all about love. Please don't hear me wrong. But Jesus did say a lot about what we're talking about, and it should convict us, and it's, it's part of this thing we call the gospel. But again, it's very easy to say, hey, love, joy, peace, equality, and just land there. And what we want to do is not say that's not true, because it is, but over 90% of y'all in this congregation have told me verbally it's like I just wish I knew my Bible more okay here we go and we want to teach the Bible we want to teach every aspect of what it says now the other pole or position good Atari game there um for y'all don't even know what I'm talking about but anyway the other position is that there's too much judgment and man this is this probably is even worse because these are people who are like I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be judged. And I've got to obey. And I've got to do right. And um, I'm scared of this judging God whose wrath is going to come down on me. Or we think about that and we reject Christianity because that's what we've heard somewhere or by some person. Or that's what we see in churches, God forbid, or in preachers, God forbid. It's just about judging God. And we want to be right and we want to obey or we're afraid and we're like, or we just reject it. And, man, that's, that's not where we want to go either. Um, you know, so many people, I think, live. Honestly, so many of y'all um, live by this fake gospel, okay? Fake good news of, if I obey, then I'm accepted. And, and that's false. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, I'm accepted by Jesus in, in all of my brokenness and mess. And, you know, we, we, we put on our, our makeup and put on our nice clothes. But, you know, if, if we shot our heart up on this video screen, mine too, man, we would, we, we would be embarrassed by some of the things in our heart. So there, and then Jesus is like, man, I love you so much. And I'm, I'm going to save you. And I'm here for you. And so we're like, we're accepted. So then we obey. Um, we have a lot of doctors in our congregation. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think God led y'all here for whatever reason. But, you know, one person one time told me about an MRI, and he compared it to the good news, the gospel. And he said, you know, the MRI showed that I have cancer. And so I look at the MRI results, and there's cancer up there, and it's like, you know, in kind of a yellow, you know, orange, and I've never seen that. Hopefully, God will and never will. But he said, yellowy orange, there, there was the mass. That was it. And the MRI showed me what was wrong with me. And this guy said, how much is that like what Paul calls the law, or what we would call obeying or doing the right thing? Bear with me. What he's saying is like, 
that stuff, doing right instead of wrong, obeying the law, shows us the blot that's in us that we can't heal. Just like the MRI showed that dude the cancer, but the MRI could not heal it. Doing right, obeying, shows us the blot in us. Only Jesus can heal it. So, most people live on either of those two poles, and we want to wrestle with the gray uh, that's in the middle, and honestly, that is the gospel. So, we're going to see that. So, this verse tells us a few things. Second Corinthians 5.10, I'm going to read it again. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, that verse... Mark that. And then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, some of my favorite verses. You want to talk about the gospel? We're going to put it on screen. How does this verse reconcile with that? Because it says, by grace you have been saved through faith, not your own doing. It is the gift of God, and it's not the result of works. Okay, help me out here. How, how do we, or how do I, preaching this, reconcile that verse just said about standing before and receiving recompense for, wait a second, What's it say? For what has been done, as in works. And then we look at this, and it says, not the result of works. We're saved by grace. Please, help me out here. I mean, seriously, does that not like, that's kind of complicated, kind of like says two things. How do we work through that? Well, let's try. First off, the verse in 2 Corinthians, it tells us, I think four things that we need to know. First, all Christians will be judged. Second, our judge is Jesus. It says we're the judgment seat of Christ. Um, Not God the Father, Jesus. This is going to happen after we die, after death. And then it is for deeds. And this is like, and this is like what I've been wrestling with this week. For what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. That verse tells us there's a judgment for all believers, all Christians. The judge is Christ. It happens after we die. And it is for the deeds, what's been done here on earth. Now then, the big question is, why? Because if we base it on the scripture that we just saw, by grace of why is there a need for judgment? We get, hey, I get judgment of like non-believers. Why judgment of Christians? Why? So what does the Bible say? Well, a couple things. First, it does, there's the judgment on who enters heaven and who enters another place, who would go to hell. You can look, uh, a great passage on this is in Matthew uh, 25, uh, verse 31 through the rest of the chapter. I'm not going to read it, but it is the the famous saying of where Jesus comes and judges all the nations, and he compares them to the sheep and the goats, and he says, okay, you go here and and you go here. And the ones who go to heaven, he says, you know, you're going here because you did of this to the least of those, uh, to the poor, to the lame, to the beggars. And then those who did not, he said, you know, you did not do for the least of these. And that's an interesting way of looking at deeds. Like, you know, do we do things to the least of those? Do we help 
the poor? Do we help those who don't have? You know, can you see Jesus by our life, by our, our work, by our actions, or do you not? And, you know, they, they push back, the Pharisees push back, and Jesus says, you know, when did we not do this? You know, when did we not? And he said, you know, when you didn't do for the least of these, it's like you didn't do it for me. So why the judgment to see who goes here, heaven, and see who goes here? He's very clear. Secondly, why the judgment? Uh, for rewards. Okay, that was one of the questions. What's this deal about, you know, rewards? I mean, a couple scripture passages. Um, one won't go up on the screen, but it's Matthew sixteen twenty-seven. Uh, in that passage, Jesus says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to repay... That's the key word there. Repay everyone for what has been done. So, yeah, I mean, like Billy Graham and Mother Teresa, much bigger mansion than, than me. Um, but, you know, also, I have to say this. Scripture is very clear about Jesus coming and saying, I'm going to repay for the deeds you've done. You know, we also have to look at, you know, are we, are we doing good deeds because we want rewards? Because I don't think God would see that as a good thing. Um, if it's in our heart just to get more for eternity, that's, and that's why we do what we do. I mean, that's, that's really not the gospel. That's not wanting to help the least of these. You know, do we do acts of kindness and we not seek, like, attention or glory for those? Do we help others and say, I don't need credit. I actually don't want credit. Do we do anonymous acts of kindness or anonymous acts of service? Do you? Do we? So there, it's, Scripture's very clear that rewards will happen, but, you know, man, if that's our heart just to get more, that's, that's not the gospel either. And then last is, uh, and this is a big one, especially this week. I've thought a lot about that, this, uh, justice. Justice. The deal in Boston, uh, horrific tragedy. Um, man, we need to be praying for that city. I know some of y'all have been there, some live there. I've live there, Chris has lived there, and, uh, you know, been right down where, you know, the bomb went off. And I say justice is because, and I've used illustrations like this before, um, you know, if there's a, a war zone somewhere in the world, and quoted a guy named Miroslav Wolf, like Wolf with a V, and he was in Bosnia, Croatia, uh, Serbia, and he saw his family uh, members uh, beaten and raped, uh, villages pillaged, and He's a Christian, and he said, the only thing that allowed me to hold back from uh, striking back, either with a fist or with a gun, was to know that God is also a God of justice and that everyone would stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. And so, you know, like this deal here, you know, obviously um, the, the good uh, men and women of the police force uh, did, a, did a wonderful job Friday, but I was thinking about that. You know, what if the people get away? Or what if there's other parties that, that get away? Um, you know, yes, man, with law and order here, but we can know one day that there is a judgment seat that all will stand before. And so why are we judged to see who goes where to, in a simple way, uh, rewards and then for justice, for justice. But going back to that question again, why? Why is this important? Man, I, we're believers in grace. You're saved by grace through faith. So why do our deeds matter? Why do our works matter? Why is this, why is this judgment deal happen? I mean, it, why? 
Well, here's why. One word. Evidence. Evidence. We are saved by grace through faith. But it is not a faith that should remain alone. And I know so many people, and y'all know so many people, that feel like they, they want to get salvation to have fire insurance covered, and then the rest of their life they can really do what they want, or they do do what they want. And the reason I know that is because I, I lived like that way back when. It's like, yeah, I'm saved, but really, I mean, I, I got it figured out. But I can still live in, like, you know, debauchery and licentiousness and all those, you know, things and ways that many of you have lived, some with me, okay, get real, we can do what we want, because we got our fire insurance, it's evidence, saved by grace through faith, but not a faith that is alone, that doesn't mean that your works get you into heaven, but it is evidence, it is evidence, the easiest way I can explain this is, um, so I have three sons, Jack, Logan, Ethan. And, um, you know, you look at Jack and Logan, and most people say, man, that is Linda's boy. <laughs> uh, don't know about you, John Hugh. Now they're seeing Ethan, and they're like, you know, looks like, uh, looks like you, looks like his dad. Um, but how would someone know that they're my son? Uh, honestly, it's really not how they look. It's, it's not what they do. It's not, God willing, one day what I will teach them. They know that they're my son because they were, they were, they were born of me. Um, same, you know, we have families who uh, have adopted children. I hope, God willing, we have more. You know, how do, how do you know that a son or daughter is theirs? Not by how they look or, or what they do or their actions because there was a process that said, I, I love you, and you are now my son, or you are my daughter. You are, I'm going to raise you. You're mine. And God willing, God will grow you, that, uh, that you will live this life, and we'll have this father, son, mother, daughter, whatever relationship. My point being is, we are sons of God. We are saved because we are born again. Because of what Jesus has done, and if we accept that, then we're his. But there is also evidence that we are his. Just like that Ethan might look a little bit like me is evidence that he's mine. Just like a son or daughter may act the way you've told them, and so that's evidence that they are your child. It's evidence, but that doesn't make them your son or daughter. Same with us. In relation to God, our Heavenly Father, we are His because of what Jesus has done. And then we say, yeah, I, I get that. I accept that. And we're His children. But there should be evidence. There should be evidence in our life. should be evidence in our decisions. should be evidence in what we say and how we live. James 2.26 says it best. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is, is no faith at all. So, you know, for all of us, you know, we're not saved by the works. Ephesians 2 is very clear. We're saved by grace through faith. But we're going to stand before our Lord and He's going to look for evidence. 
I'm being serious here. He's going to look for evidence in our life of, are you really mine? Are you really my son, my daughter? Just think about that. A couple practical things real quick, real quick. What to do now? Like, okay, great preacher, Monday cometh. You know, give me some stuff to help me this week. So some practical things. First one, the biggest thing is just simple. Be born again. Now, that's a churchy phrase, Sunday school phrase. Uh, you've heard that. And somebody's like, man, I got that taken care of. Really? Do we have some evidence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like back, you know, seventh grade, walking down the aisle. Okay, two divorces later, and, you know, addiction later, and, you know, greed later, and gossip later. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, I do think, and I said this last week, and I, I really pray the Holy Spirit convicts you all, because I, I would never say whether someone is or is not saved, but, but um, we can look at evidence and say, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Be born again. No, I mean, really. Look in your heart and like, how am I living? Am I living like a child of Christ? Be born again. Be born again. Take the churchiness out of that. Take the Sunday school. Born again. Secondly, and this is, this is really a practical one, you know, discipline yourself. There's a reason that the word disciple and discipline, same root word. Discipline yourself in things that delight you about God. Here's what I mean. There are certain times in, in my life where I just, I just feel the presence of God. And I think you have those too. And there's certain things that like make me think about God and make me think about my relationship with God and make me want to get closer to God. Here's an example. Good, strong coffee. I, I know you remember, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I start thinking about... Um, like, man, how good God is with, with good, strong coffee. Maybe I'm just jacked up on caffeine. I don't know. But I start thinking about it like God, especially when I have it early in the morning. Man, early in the morning, like 5, it's still dark, and I got my coffee, man. It's just me. I mean, I'm just thinking. I'm like, God, I want to get closer to you. I want to develop this relationship with you. Um, time in God's Word. I've, I've, I've told y'all. I've prayed for y'all. I've I've encouraged y'all, you know, just like start in the Psalms or start in John. Um, just look in his word. And I, I read God's word, and, man, he speaks to me. And this is just me, so you can have different, different stuff. Uh, another thing is that you're, like, weird out, but, you know, I'm kind of nerdy. Old books. I, you go to my house. I, I love collecting books. I, I love uh, reading. And I just think, man, how God, the, the creativity in giving these people knowledge. And I just want to get closer to God. And I, I really I mean, I want to love God more. Here's the point. There are things in your life. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's early morning. Maybe it's like, you know, late at night. I don't know. There are things and times and places in your life where I believe it could be running. You know, some of you are, you know, just gluttons for punishment. You like to run marathons and all that. But maybe you get closer to God. I don't know. The things that God has wired you, when you think about God, be there as often as you can. Get there and God will grow a relationship with you and Him more and more. And then last... If that's one side, the other side is, and hate's a strong word, but i got to use it. We all need to hate our sin. And we need to hate things that, that, keep, us, um, that keep us from God. Um, give you an illustration. Um, 
because small, well, small sins become big sins. That's basically it. And we need to hate it. For example, um, I know men who struggle with porn. Men, if, if you're here, hate it. Get it out because at a point it's not going to be enough and there's a good chance that you may have that affair. I'm just saying, hate the sin. Get it out. Um, some are like, hey, man, I can, like, hit a drink or two. You know, and then ten shots later, um, you know, you're like, i got to call somebody, or you don't call somebody, and you drive home. I hate it. I mean, if you can't, if you, if you can't control, if you can't set those boundaries, cut it out. Um, body consciousness. Uh, we see that all the time. It is just effervescent around our World, schools, baseball, soccer tournaments, Facebook. If we stay in body consciousness, then you're never going to look good enough. And you may do things to your body. Or you may say, hey, I really like need this attention from this guy or gal. And you may get into a bad relationship. What, what I'm saying is things that take you away from God. Yes, I mean, set a boundary. But there's some things that will lead you. And that's not all of y'all, so please. But, but yeah, like porn is very real. And Drunkenness and alcohol problems is very real. And body consciousness where girls, especially young girls, will say, I need this attention, I crave this, and so I'm going to, you know, not just hop into a relationship, hop into whatever. Because of that, that's very real. And we need to, we need to, we need to hate it. Because not only does it take us away from God, but it makes us make these really bad choices that can... Um, that will influence the rest of our lives, and ultimately we stand before God. So just being real, like practically, be born again. Go where you, go where you get close to God. Discipline yourself to go into those delights. And man, hate the sins, please. There was a, uh, I heard a story about this commercial uh, of a line, and they were trying to shoot a commercial with uh, a line and this gorgeous blonde, Okay. And I forget what it was, but, you know, it's like, you know, obviously trying to do the sex appeal and all that. I don't know, line, girl, product, and I don't get it. But then the line tried to attack the girl. And the story, they were just shocked. Like, they thought this was a tame line. And, you know, what is going on here? The line attacked the girl. Like, you know, hey, it's a line. You know what I'm saying? Like, God gave the lion fangs and claws and then just dropped him on a total continent and said, go to town. And you're trying to shoot this, you know, do you not get it? My point being is um, a lion's going to do what a lion's going to do. And there are lions in all of us, and if we don't cage them, if we don't contain them, don't play with lines for this life and the life to come. And when we do, when we do sometimes, man, and I've seen it, you know, in my life and in other people's lives, you know, God will bruise us sometimes or God will allow us to be bruised. And we make choices and we make bad decisions and God's like, please, you know, Come to me. You know, this whole thing, this whole gospel, this whole church thing, it's like good stuff. It's good. I want, you to, I want to give you a good life. I'm giving you grace. All you do is have to believe. In that good news, you're accepted. So then you obey. 
and not the other way around. That you've got to do this checklist to get in. Ephesians 2, 8 is, is the key. By grace we're saved. And when we really know that, there, there will be evidence in our life. When we're truly born again, people will see it. People will know it. So I pray, know, know the grace part. The Ephesians 2. And, and then, man, you can stand before God and he will say, enter into me, into the kingdom that was prepared before the beginning of time for you and, and have this. And, and then you've had joy in your life already. And yes, there's going to be suffering and yes, there's going to be sickness and yes, there's going to be pain. But there's great joy in knowing what Jesus has done, that he has saved you and it was personal. I pray you know it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, man, may we be your evidence. Um, may people see evidence in our lives um, that we're, we're truly born again. Um, Dear, I have trouble even saying that phrase because there's so much baggage on it and people think I have been born again. But um, I know that uh, I know people have struggles here and I know people don't know the gospel um, in, in this church and in, in this community. I pray that we would. I pray that we would not live on either of the poles of uh, one of just uh, you don't have to worry about anything and that, you know, it's all grace and love and peace. And the other one that we're, we live in fear of, of not being uh, obedient and um, that you're just going to judge us because that's not who you are. Um, you give your grace. Um, and we will, Scripture is clear, stand before you to give an account. Um, I pray that we have wonderful evidence. And I pray that we will go to the places, both literal and, and spiritual, where we just we feel you and we, we sense you and you speak to us. Whether that's an early morning or, you know, before we go to bed or on a lunch break or into God's Word or, or having a good cup of coffee or, or being with someone who will pray for us. Help us, Jesus, to go there and to block out things that will hinder our relationship with you. Thank you for these, your people. Thank you for your grace that, uh, that just overflows to us all. In Jesus' name, amen.